We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. better way to celebrate Arsenal's march back to supremacy than with a little reflection on the last time we did it. This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. You're not going to hear much from me today. This is a short episode featuring Tim's interview with Gabriel, the one of the directors, the co-director of the Invincibles movie that is uh, now out. I believe it's now out, has just come out or is about to come out. You know what? All this professional research stuff I'm doing is getting a little overwhelming, so we'll leave it with that. Um, It's a nice 20-minute interview covering a lot of interesting topics. What I can say about the movie is I find it to be more revealing than the Arsene Wenger book. I think it probes some areas that will be really interesting to people who lived through that period, people who didn't live through that period, people who are not nostalgic for the past, people who are. I just think it is an interesting piece of filmmaking and a fascinating uh, bit of insight. So I'll turn it over to Tim and Gabriel. Enjoy the interview. Um, Gabriel, thanks so much for joining us. Um, My first question, you've recently made documentaries about Sir Bobby Robson, really, really moving one about Jack Charlton um, as well last year. What made you want to do Arsene, give Arsene Wenger the documentary treatment next? Well, nice, nice to see you, and thanks very much for having me. The the reason was I, I just think he's always I've always thought he's a fascinating subject. Ever since I I was confronted with him in the tunnel after a game in what have been ninety eight, ninety nine, when we were doing Champions League with ITV, and then throughout that period, really, especially up to two thousand and four five, when you met this erudite, urbane, intelligent pleasant, um, uh, interesting, interested man, manager, who was different to what what was in the game and what, what had been in the game at that time in, in football. And, I, and I'd always been a Francophile, I think, anyway, in, in my football upbringing. <clears throat> I'd always had close contacts with France, so maybe that was a personal link. And I asked Bob Wilson who was at ITV at that time. We talked a lot about Arsene, what his secrets were and what he was doing. 
So around 98, 99, 2000, after they won the double, what about doing a documentary? I'd love to do a documentary on Arsene. And Bob asked Arsene for me. And the answer came back, I'm not vain enough to do a documentary. <laughs> and there's no way back on that, really, because you think, yeah, okay, so it's not money. It's not airtime. It's not what the story is. It's I've got other things to be doing. Thank you very much. So when... um my friend, Christian Jean-Pierre, who I'd known since the early 90s doing Champions League with TF1, came to me and we'd kept in touch. And Christian worked with Arsene Wenger for TF1 in all those summers uh, covering the Euros and the World Cups. So Arsene would go off, he'd leave Arsenal and go and do a Euros or a World Cup with TF1, Busman's holiday. And we'd meet and we'd talk about things. Um, Christian came to me. Yeah, so it would have been uh, sort of summer of 2020. I, I think Arsene might be willing to do a documentary now. Um, we had a chat, and as a, a, in a long-winded way of saying, I've always been fascinated by his story, and, and this was an opportunity to tell it. Yeah, and that's um, that's kind of uh, preempted my ne- my what was going to be my next question, which was about kind of I guess the process of this going from concepts to reality, but. When you first spoke to Arsene about this then and you broached it with him, I guess personally, what was, what was his reaction? Did you get the sense, because I think he's, he's in very reflective mood in the film, did you get the sense that he was really ready to tell this story now? No, uh, I think, um, Christian, uh, we did a French and an English version. They follow the same narrative arc, which is my narrative arc. But Christian did more of the persuading. Christian is closer to Arsene and has a wonderful relationship with him. I suppose my relationship is more based around filmmaking and the journalistic side of it. Um, But we obviously talked about what would be in the film and the Invincible season. You have to pick, you have to pick somewhere to begin and end to a degree. And um, that was obviously a wonderful season with some incredible narrative points in it, which I already knew the battle of old Trafford, the game against Liverpool at Highbury, lots of different elements to it. Um, we discussed that with Arsene, but we also made it clear that it wasn't just going to be a greatest goals in the Arsene mm-hmm. Wenger era film. It was going to be something that tried to get to the heart of Arsene. It would, it would involve going to Dutlenheim. It would involve filming with him in London. It would involve him um, looking back at games and reflecting in a way that with distance he was able to do that he hadn't done before. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'll, I'll come back on one of those points later. And there are some lovely shots of him in his home village, uh, as he says himself in the film, not town, village. Um, some really intimate shots. But there are there are three things that really stuck out um, when I watched this documentary. Uh, so my next three questions will kind of focus on them. The first one, I guess, most superficially is the cast list. So you don't just get Arsene Wenger, there's Patrick Vieira, there's Dennis Bergkamp, there's Thierry Henry, Robert Pires, there's even Alex Ferguson. Um, how much work was required to get not just Arsene, because obviously that's the, the kind of the centrepiece of the documentary, but how much work was required to persuade some of those, uh, some of those luminaries, as it were? Well, um, Christian has really good contacts with Patrick Vieira. Um, we did Thierry Henry quite late in the process. Um, yeah, it, it required some work, 
But, um, you know, one of the other things about this is that, you know, a lot of the subjects involved have their own documentaries they may want to tell one day. Mm. So you do get into that preservation of my territory. But once explained that this was uh, Arsene's definitive documentary film, the first that he'd made, and it was based around that invincible season, that time to begin with, for the likes of Thierry and Dennis Bergkamp and Robert Pires, it was a natural step to take. With Sir Alex, um, I, I've managed to, to maintain good relationships with him since he retired. He contributed to the Sir Bobby Robson film, and you, you don't want to over-request. Over <laughs> and I wasn't sure whether he would do an interview f for this film, but I think the way in which um, he was aware also that this was Arsene's film, it wasn't a film about Arsene, it was Arsene's film. Mm. And so I think once he knew that, um, uh, he was able to get a sense that, yeah, okay, this is going to be definitive, and therefore, for it to be as definitive as possible, I have to be in it. And Sir Alex has a, a good a good picture in that sense. He's not somebody who's going to be anymore doing interviews a great deal of the time, so he's very selective. Um, but I, I really appreciated the fact that, and I'm sure Arsene does, the fact that he contributed in, in the way that he does. And um, I, I guess a two-pronged question again about Sir Alex's um, involvement in it. First of all, um, how much of a coup was that? How satisfying was that when you got the green light from Alex Ferguson? And just to kind of piggyback on that question, did you sense, because I sensed watching the documentary, as you say, this is Arsene's film, so, Alex, so Sir Alex's, obviously the relationship between the two of them has softened over the years. Um, and, you know, you can tell with Sir Alex that this is Arson's film. He's talking about Arson. But with Arson, there were a couple of flickers where I felt almost felt that tension again. There's a lovely line where he says, oh, yeah, everyone in England was scared of him, the press, the referees. Um, and when he refers to the Battle of Old Trafford, he says uh, Van Nistelrooy made a meal of it, of course. <laughs> and you still feel, I think, some of those resentments resurface, whereas obviously in Sir Alex, you don't really get that as much. So I guess how much of, um, of a coup was it to get Sir Alex? And did you sense a flicker of the old rivalry there at all when you were making this? It was it was wonderful for Sir Alex to to agree to contribute and... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm. We're really grateful. So I, I don't know if it's a coup, but but I think you know you you justify that by the by the final product, and I hope that he's he's pleased with it too. I think in terms of rivalry, I'm not sure. I, I think I, I also got a sense from Sir Alex, um, and and he, you know, Sir Alex does come back in that that yeah. that Battle of Old Trafford. He he does say well, well Vieira tried to kick out at him so they're literally <laughs> these two guys reliving they they've still got the photograph <laughs> in their heads you know Vieira, he says well Patrick tried to kick out at him all right he didn't touch him but he tried to kick out at him so so they're all yeah, they're they're still defending their players you know they're still fighting that battle which is wonderful isn't it I mean in that in that sense yeah. they're not they're still not going to give way on who they felt was the better team. But but obviously, Sir Alex in Arsene's film is asked to talk about Arsene and does wonderfully. But yeah, I, I I still think I still think if they were sat here now, they'd be they'd be reliving those moments and still defending their players to the hilt. You know, that's what they did. 
Yeah, and that, and that comes out beautifully in the documentary with the players as well. You know, his like arson defending them to the hilt. Yeah, yeah, yeah like a very paternal. Yeah. And figure. he learned that I think from Sir Alex too. Mm. I think it's something he saw in Sir Alex and the Manchester United teams, and Arsenal had to find that. They had a wonderful spine in '98 and a wonderful team, but then, as you know, they ebbed and flowed a bit too much. They choked on occasions. Mm. And, and so by 2004, they, they had to find what Manchester United had consistently, which wasn't just uh, talent and the ability to win games and cups. It was to be, to fight and to be physical. And Arsene relished that. And that team had that extra dimension, which was that physical, um, the physical ability to intimidate opponents and the mental strength that goes with ultimate winners. They had that, and, and Arsene, Arsene built to that point. Uh, but he learned a, a lot of those elements and saw a lot of those, those elements in the teams that Ferguson built. And um, one of the, the uh, probably the second thing that really struck me about the film, um, I guess more from a construction point of view, is some of the archive footage. There's archive footage in there, both of Arsene's hometown, um, you know, photos of his childhood, but also archive footage from his early days at Arsenal that I've never seen. And I thought I'd seen everything that was out there. Well, that's good to hear. And that's our job, you know, as as documentary makers. And and it has to be a standard you set yourself to find something new. And I mean, one of the big discoveries for us was the the moving footage of Arsene on the steps at Highbury. Where he's, you know, where he's being chased out of town to a degree, and the, the the incredible way he dealt with that very difficult situation. So it was wonderful to find those pictures, and yeah, other other material too, which I think, um, as much as you always want more, there was some, yeah, some great behind the scenes material at Highbury. I think we were able to uncover, and that's thanks as well to Arsenal. I think. To Arsenal Football Club and to our to our researchers, producer Andy Lynch did a did a brilliant job, and you've got to get that. And and f- f- for people like yourself, Tim, who who feel they know the story inside out, if if you're able to tell me that you're hearing and seeing seeing new stuff, that's great news. Yeah, and I'll come on to that theme as well, actually, in my last question. But the third thing that really struck me about this whole documentary was the candor. Um, of everyone involved, because even, you know, when particularly in the part where discussing Arsenal's final years at Arsenal and Thierry, Patrick, they're obviously there, you know, I guess in reverence, but they don't pull any punches in their criticism of him. And for the first time ever, I think you really hear Arsene, like he says things I've never heard him say before. So when he discusses the contract he signed in 2007, he said, I still sometimes wonder if that was the right decision. And the other line that really jumps out, which was a common criticism of him, was I should have delegated more. And so you get him in this really, really reflective mood and almost confessional. And of course, he talks about confession and religion and his upbringing and things like that. Did you get a sense that... um that he was ready to do that or did that come as, I guess, a pleasant surprise to you making this? I, I just think, uh, you, you know, we, we, we interviewed Arsene three times. So we did it over the course of three days, not long each day, but long, you know, long enough. And you, I, I, I believe in, in this idea that if you come prepared, uh, you, you've got more chance. So you've got to know what you want to try and get. I think, especially with somebody like Arsene, when you, you know, there's so much out there already, in the public domain. 
So you know, there are areas that I certainly wanted to try and go into, which I felt hadn't been explored before. He hadn't really spoken about before. I do think his family, for instance, and some of the relationships there, but also, um, yeah, the end at Arsenal and the way that that worked, that, that unraveled, however, however you want to put it. Uh, I do think he was, I do think he was responsive to, to that, to that line of questioning. Not, not immediately, but certainly I think a lot of that came on in the third interview day. And I think, um, He's just able to be, with time, more self-critical, I think, and able to reflect that having heard other people, uh, having, having, you know, it, it extracted himself from the environment he'd been in for 22 years, maybe this was the first time he'd really spoken about it at length. Mm. And so, therefore, that time enabled us to get more from him, not that we had, you know, we didn't have oodles of time here and it was COVID restricted, of course. And, you know, he's a very busy man, as you know, doing his job now out there in the big bad world of world football. So we, we had to, we had to ensure that when we were with him, we were sharp. And, and hopefully maybe that, that reflected on him too, that he was sharp in return. And, and it's great to hear you say that because, you know, what, what I, you know that you don't want the perception of a film like this to be when you look at the title Arsene Wenger Invincible there we are the halcyon days everything's great wasn't it wonderful it as you know it wasn't like that it's not a simple story and therefore the film can't be a simple straightforward uh, story either yeah it's definitely no hagiography um and you know he even criticizes himself as a husband and a father at points which is sometimes like a a bit of a difficult watch but in a good way um another thing that really i guess jumped out at me um as someone very familiar with arson is i forgot what a great orator he is and i went to a lot of those agms that he rescued um, by picking up a microphone and talking and i wrote i I literally i took a pen and paper and and wrote down some of my favorite lines from this so he says you know women kill for love men kill because they hate to lose um he he says towards the end it's not the ball that unites people there's something bigger that makes them want to be together like very typical arson and the, and the one that kind of jumped out on me the most uh Highbury is my soul the emirates is my suffering great great lines and um i don't i don't want to say spinner line that's not what um what i really mean but i mean there are so many pearls from him that really center this documentary is that what you expected I think Arsene, and this is one of go back goes back to your initial points about why did you want to make a documentary about Arsene Wenger? Because you know he has a way with words, and this is his third language, you know, French, German, English. So the, 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 he is a wonderful orator. He likes to speak, and he he, he understands the English language wonderfully now, and, and knows how it works, and knows the the poetry. I think that's possible, especially when it comes to football. He loves talking about football, and and. Football is in his soul. So you really hope for that sort of thing. Yeah, I just think he's one of those guys that likes to talk football. And if you can make it poetic or encourage him to be poetic, uh, sow the seed of of something in his head about how people think about something, he'll build on that for you. Mm. So that's just his talent. And I think it's an innate talent. And when you're making a documentary... Doing an interview, you want your subject, don't you, to to to, to elevate it, mm. to to build on what your what your ideas are, 
And I think at times that's been the great thing about, thing about making this film is that, you know, there was so much in it that was rich in terms of what Arsene said and that you just like to hear. And whether you're an Arsenal fan or not, or a football fan, or just you like a good story, that's why I hope this story will appeal. It's not just for Arsenal fans, it's for lovers of film as well. Because there are elements in it that are just universal about aspiration, human frailty, flaw, tragic flaw, things that prevent you from seeing the truth in yourself, all those bigger themes that whatever documentary you're making or story you're telling um, work as pillars, and and hopefully we've got those in there. Yeah, and I won't throw a spoiler in, but he really goes into that at the end as well, um, everything you're talking about there. Um, I'm going to do what um, most interviewers shouldn't do and insert myself into the story <laughs> before asking a question. But So I, I guess my relationship with Arsenal and Arsene Wenger, throughout the time that he was Arsenal manager, I was in the stadium for about 90% of the games during his reign. So, um, And I write about the club season ticket holder, away season ticket holder, my family, my wife all support the club. <laughs> he took over when I was 12 and left when I was 34, you know, the very formative years of my life. Like, um, I felt like I knew Arsene Wenger, even though I didn't. And um, to be honest, after he left, right up until now, I've been in Wenger detox mode. And the reason for that is because it became so rancorous and unpleasant in the last couple of years that I stopped enjoying going to games because every game was just a, a massive argument between thousands of people about Arsene Wenger. And right up until now, I've, I've kind of, I haven't really sought out his interviews or Wenger content or anything like that. Um, didn't really, I got about halfway through his book, um, quite frankly. And I, I've still just thought that no, I need a little bit more distance. I just need a little bit more time to appreciate, you know, the good times and all of that. So um, when I was kind of, I guess, confronted with this task of watching this documentary and doing this interview, I was kind of thinking, OK, am I actually going to enjoy this or is this going to reveal a bit of scar tissue? But for me, um, I felt like uh, not to be overdramatic. It felt like a cleansing of a lot of that. And just hearing him say certain things I'd not heard him say before and to talk about his father and his family and things like that was, um, I found it quite therapeutic, actually. And um, I guess my, my question on the back of that ramble uh, to wrap up is, how did you deal with telling a story where it's still quite recent and the details of it are mostly quite familiar and it didn't end that long ago, um, three and a half years ago. Did did that come into your thinking at any point, or did you just think, no, this is a story that needs to be told. I think I can get the people that tell it. Yeah, I think you've just got to aim high, haven't you, and and, and try your best with that. I, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, the 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 film's structures around the invincible season, but it's framed in a broader sense from from beginning to end. You know, we, we had wonderful footage, which people haven't seen before, of Arsene on his final day at the Emirates, behind the scenes. Mm. You know, uh, and nobody's seen that. They've seen him on the pitch saying goodbye, but they haven't seen the Arsene up the tunnel waiting to be um, serenaded. And, of course, he didn't, he didn't enjoy that experience no. whatsoever. So I, I think it's, it's when, you get, when you get footage like that and you get all all the A-list that you want, you, you've got to ask the questions. You've, you've got to go into that territory that might be difficult, it might be recent, 
Um, but I, I, I think it's definitive. I'd like to think so at the moment. <laughs> you know, we're, we're as far along as uh, far along in the story as we are. Things might change in the future. Then there may be a happy ending. You know, he he might come back to the Emirates. Who knows? But um, I, I think that it was beholden upon us to 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 update it as much as we possibly could, and and ensure that Arsene said as much about about the the way it ended as as he was able to, along with, of course, relishing that incredible achievement. Gabriel, thanks so much for your time. And um, again, just to say, really enjoyed the film. Uh, fantastic achievement, I think, both as a sports film and, and as a piece of cinema uh, as well. So thank you very much for your time. Tim, thank you very much. Great to talk to you. Okay, that'll do it with the sounds of Baby Shark ringing in the background as my daughter watches it on her little Kindle Fire tablet. My other daughter's getting ready for school. I will return to familial duties. We will be back with uh, a rewatch for patrons tomorrow and main pod on Thursday once again and uh, special guests lined up for that as well. We'll try to have a lot of fun during the international break celebrating Arsenal just being generally great again, which is super. Uh, Our rivals maybe being less than great, which is just as fun and all kinds of other good stuff along with it. So I hope you're doing well. Enjoy your Tuesday if you're listening to this on Tuesday. But if you're not listening to this on Tuesday, important, enjoy the day uh, in which you are listening to this, or you know what? Just enjoy all your days. I hope you enjoy all your days. That'll do it. Why don't I step aside? We love you, and we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10, Liverpool nil. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.